Hello and welcome to Sanfor Uncut, a podcast for developers about building great products. Today, I'm excited to welcome Alexis Richardson. Alexis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Darko. Nice to meet you today. Great. Alexis, please uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Alexis Richardson. I am the CEO and co-founder of Weaveworks, a company that specializes in Kubernetes and GitOps, the operating model for Kubernetes applications. We are international company hiring today, remote or London SF, Colorado, Berlin. Previously, I was the CEO and founder of RabbitMQ, and I led the Spring team for a while at Pivotal. I've done some other interesting things in my time. I also was the TOC chair for CNCF for three years, which is quite fun. Great. Thanks you for sharing that. Can you tell us a bit more about uh, WeWorks? What were your initial mission and how generally the GitOps developed over time and what you are, from my perspective, most known for? Thank you. So I think if you take a moment to step back, you look at the number of developers in the world. Why are developers important? Because today, software and technology is at the heart of business. We've seen how, not just with companies like Google and Facebook, but also Amazon, Twilio, Airbnb, Stripe, have introduced online ways of doing business or interacting with friends and family, people that you know, together, which has then been copied by traditional businesses like big banks or travel companies or entertainment companies. And so technology is at the heart of everything that people are doing. And I see that just continuing to grow. I don't think that's a particularly surprising concept, especially now with this new world of coronavirus, where many people are working remotely and using digital services. And so there's a big change happening, which is that developers are becoming more empowered. Now, I'm not the first person to say this, a really great book on the subject from a few years ago, called Developers of the New Kingmakers by Stephen O'Grady, said that within the enterprise, developers were getting into a position of making decisions, even if they were quite junior, because they would decide which tools and products were used to build applications that made business money without necessarily getting permission from management. And now we see the same developers that Stephen wrote about five or 10 years ago are now in positions like CEO, CTO, CIO at really big companies. Maybe not all of the companies yet, but at big companies, you have developers in the executive suite making business decisions for big global 2000 companies. So developers are now super important. And the question becomes, Okay, then how many developers are there and what do they need? Hey everyone, Sanford has published an open source book called CICD with Docker and Kubernetes. It combines just the right amount of best practices and practical advice for shipping cloud native apps. Download your free copy today at sanfordci.com. If you look at the statistics from, for example, Stack Overflow or from GitHub, or from specialist firms that analyze this question, you'll see that the number of developers in the world today maybe is around 20 million, maybe 25 million, maybe 30 million, if you include some additional people. GitHub, for example, has at least 50 million active users. It's growing more than 30% a year at the moment. I know that they have the same again in terms of fake accounts, but you know, in terms of active users, a pretty big number. So I think for software developers, it is in the tens of millions. And it's growing at least 15% a year, at least. If you look at the maths, that means it doubles every five years. And it will probably double faster than that. 
And so if there's 25 million now, then it's 100 million in 10 years' time. You'll probably get there sooner. And then you realize that 75 million of those developers haven't even started work yet. They are going to be added in the future. And so for all of those people, they're going to be building applications, doing new things, using tools that are just being created today. And so I think one of the most exciting jobs in the industry is working out what are the tools to make those developers incredibly productive building applications. Myself and my co-founder, Matthias, who I co-founded RabbitMQ with, we were working at Pivotal, which was a spin-out from VMware, and we saw that people were using containers to build platform as a service, for example, Cloud Foundry, which we were involved with. And we were trying to build back-end services like you know, RabbitMQ as a service or Redis as a service. And we could see that, that containers were very useful for this, but difficult to use for developers. And so we decided that there was a gap, that developers needed help to build applications with containers even if containers were clearly going to be one of the most important ways of delivering software in the future. So we started WeaveWorks with the vision of enabling application developers to build applications and manage them with containers. And then, of course, that was a great vision. But, you know, really, back in 2014, everything was even more of a mess than it is now. But so many companies, technologies, it was very confusing and not many things worked. So one of the things that did not work in May of 2014, 2014, I'm sorry, was um, applications on multiple machines didn't work because you couldn't network containers easily. So we decided to first solve that problem. We wrote a networking solution and a software-defined network called WeaveNet for Docker containers so you could make multi-machine apps or even multi-cloud apps, hybrid cloud apps. And people started doing this very, very quickly and we also decided to create some other useful tools, like something for monitoring and managing your apps, regardless of which orchestrator they were using. That was called Weave Scope. And we started to think about how we were going to engage with customers commercially using these technologies. And we wanted to write a SaaS software as a service, Weave Cloud, which people are still using today. And in fact, Darko, I think maybe you use it as well. Yeah, yeah. Happy customer for like three years. Great. The Weave Cloud SaaS, as you know, is a combination of management, monitoring, and deployment. And we thought those would all be things that people needed when they were running an application. But here's the problem that we had. This is like, you know, January 2015, or maybe it's spring 2015. How are we going to run the SaaS on the cloud? So we started to write our own Docker-based system for running it. And we very soon discovered that writing your own orchestration tool is not necessarily a productive use of a small startup's time. So we decided then to switch to a third-party tool, and we had to choose between Docker Swarm for orchestration or Mesos, Mesosphere. We had Marathon was one of the tools that was around then. Nomad was an interesting new tool coming from HashiCorp, who we admired. And then there was Kubernetes that came from Google. And we reached Kubernetes because of a process of elimination Docker was changing a lot of things at the time, and it wasn't quite clear if Docker Swarm would be ready very quickly in a way that we could use. Mesos was great, but really was designed for much larger scale systems. We found it hard to kind of mentally scale down to our size of SaaS. Nomad, we contacted HashiCorp, and they very sweetly said, Nomad is not ready for use in a system like yours yet. I thought it was very honest of them. This is basically version 0.1. And then Kubernetes, which was very young product. Kubernetes was launched at the same time as WeaveWorks. 
although I didn't realize that would be important until later. And we had a bunch of ex-Google people in the team who had been familiar with the Google way of doing things and could give us kind of a running start on this. And so we started using Kubernetes and we found it initially to be very difficult to use. Not only was it inherently complicated in ways that I think you know could still be simplified, and I don't think I'm alone in saying this, but also it was young and rough and it was difficult. Installing it, with a lot of scripts and there was a lot of hacking involved and it was just really like you know pulling your own teeth out a bit but we got it up and running and through that we managed to start improving the tool chain ourselves and we also found that it was useful to work in a very specific way where you know you had a complete description of your stack your whole system the cluster the apps the services the networks the monitoring screens the dashboards the alerts everything was described in one place which was Git and the associated image repos. But Git was really where the configuration was held. And so we could have a YAML-based description of our entire system. And this meant that we could shut it down and reproduce it at will. And when we had a disaster, we could recover from our complete snapshot that was in Git. Plus, we had this all of the social benefits of Git, you know, GitHub, comments. We could see why changes had happened. We could see which changes went together so we could update things atomically. We managed upgrades this way, application rollouts, rollbacks, the lot. I have to say, I mean, not a hands-on technical guy. I came to all of this really as a sort of product person. So I didn't know the details, was pretty impressed. And I said to folks, well, this is really cool. Who else is doing this? Well, it's a little bit like what some people do at Google, but in a different way. And, you know, that's a little bit like infrastructure as code and DevOps tools like Puppet. But actually, what's really interesting is that because containers are immutable and Kubernetes is based on orchestrating immutable containers and then having this kind of eventually convergent solution, which always drives to a correct state, it's actually much more powerful than before. And I said, well, that's really good. Why don't we talk about it? What is the essence of this? And the essence was, you know, have a complete description of your system from day zero make everything work in this way and bake security and monitoring into that too. And I said, well, we need a better name than this. So we started talking about that and came up with the name GitOps because fundamentally we are doing operations. We have this concept of reconciliation, this convergent orchestrated loop that is powered by Kubernetes and agents and operators running in Kubernetes that drives the system always to the correct state, regardless of whether it's a cluster or an app or a fleet as well. You can even do this stuff with templating. You can do it with traffic management. It's always the same core idea of driving this reconciliation loop to a correct state. So we're doing operations and management here and deployment in this way. And the cool thing is that it's expressed through the medium of Git, which not everybody likes, but developers all know how to use. And yes, there are better ways of having user interfaces. And yes, there are other ways of triggering changes than through Git. But fundamentally, the idea of Git as a system of record for the true state of your system or the true desired state, the one that you want it to be in, is incredibly powerful because you know Git has this really strong security apparatus around it. You can have signed commits. You can have multiply signed commits. You can have verifiably signed commits, non-reputable changes. You can use it as a tool to get through Sarbanes, Oxley, Sarbox, SOC2 compliance, because you can verify who made changes when and why, and what the impact was. So really, we think it's a remarkable tool 
for powering operations and a really big step forward from just using it for development. And we couldn't be more excited about it. Great. Hey, I'm going to take a quick break here and tell you that Sanford has a new book out called CICD with Docker and Kubernetes. If you are looking to deploy cloud-native apps, it's going to show you the most productive way of doing that. And the best of all, it's free. Download your free copy today at sam4ci.com. I can say that we found generally our SaaS offering just through figuring out how to manage our deployments to Kubernetes and finding GitOps was a great stepping stone for us for Kubernetes adoption. There are a number of open source tools that are supporting GitOps workflows. Flux is one of those. Can you maybe share a little bit about that journey of GitOps, the tools that you created and was it maybe the future for some of them? Yes, of course. So first of all, let me say that if you want to do GitOps, please get in touch with us. You feel free to drop me an email, alexis at weave.works, or just send an email to help at weave.works. If you go to our website, look for the GitOps community toolkit, uh, conversation kit. That was something that we created after doing GitOps days a few weeks ago. If you can't find that, email me, I'll send you a link or go on our Slack, slack.weave.works. You'll find people who can help you. There is a SaaS, Weave Cloud, there is an enterprise Kubernetes platform, which includes GitOps. All of these are different ways that Weaveworks can help you with products and services. Now, to your question, let's talk a little bit about the open source tools, because we're very much an open source company. We believe that a developer should be able to be highly productive and successful building and managing their own application using open source. And our commercial strategy is to sell solutions to people who are needing more scale. So for example, people have lots of clusters or lots of changes or lots of teams where you run into other issues around security, reproducibility, compliance, etc. So for a developer, they should be able to do pretty much anything they like at small scale, no probs. And yes, we have a bunch of open source tools that we have created, but we are not alone. And I want to emphasize how important it is that there are other GitOps open source tools in the industry some of which overlap with the tools that we've created and some of which are different. I think of Terraform as being a GitOps type tool, although it's organized around provisioning machines. Then you have Kubernetes, which I think is the sort of first modern GitOps tool in that uses immutable infrastructure containers to orchestrate to conversion state. We wrote Flux, which is also called Flux CD, which was our deployment tool for our SaaS stack. And then Flagger, which is a tool for managing traffic. So if you have a Canary or an A-B test, you use either Kubernetes load balancing or you can use Nginx, HAProxy or Traffic or one of the new Mesh projects like Istio or AppMesh on Amazon or Glue from Solo. All of these, oh, sorry, also I should mention Linkerd, uh, very important. All of these things are ways of controlling the ingress into your cluster or clusters, plural. And uh, Flagger is a GitOps-style tool for managing the Canary rollout based on a configured description of how that management should occur. So, for example, you can say, increase my traffic by 5% until this threshold is reached. And then if this Prometheus metric exceeds XYZ, then roll back. And if it is less than XYZ, then complete the rollout to 100%. This is a very, very powerful tool, and everybody really likes it. Then for the future, and we've written other tools as well, if you've seen uh, JKCFG is similar to JSONnet and similar to 
CDKs from Amazon. It's a JavaScript-based templating tool. We have support for Helm. So there's a tool called Flux Helm, which lets you take a Helm chart as your configuration and use that to drive operations. So you can be a Helm person and do GitOps very easily. The one that we've just launched last week is very exciting, though. That's called the GitOps Toolkit. There is actually a community meeting for this tomorrow, Thursday, I think 2 p.m. UK time, I think is the time. The GitOps Toolkit essentially is the engine room for Flux version 2. GitOps Toolkit was created in response to customers and users asking for things that Flux couldn't quite do. So one of the biggest asks with Flux was, you know, I want to do Flux, but I need to change one thing. Can you make it more composable? Another really big ask was, I want to do complex workflows where things need to happen in a specific order. And so today, if you want to install a cluster and a mesh and an application and do it securely, you have to make the mesh be up and running before you start deploying the application. Otherwise, application security won't work with the mesh. So GitOps Toolkit introduces dependency management. Also, there were other obvious requests like roles-based access control, multi-tenancy, fleet management, cluster management. All of these are supported in the GitOps Toolkit, plus we're thinking of some integrations with Flagger and with third-party tools like Spinnaker, Argo CD, and the GitOps engine that we helped Argo CD write. Also, the Jenkins X and Jenkins, GitLab, GitHub, Bitbucket, all of these tools are things that you can hook up more easily to the GitOps Toolkit which is also a way to run Flux 2, which we will launch soon once we have Helm support finished. So GitOps Toolkit, you can read about. It's on the Flux CD website. There is also a presentation on WeaveWorks SlideShare. Currently, as I speak, it's the most recent one. And it was presented at Cloud Native Nordics last week on Thursday. So that was the open source piece that we've done most recently that I'm really excited about. We think this is going to really change GitOps in terms of making it much easier for people to get started with and extremely powerful for enterprises. And of course, selfishly, we hope to use some of these features in our commercial product as well. Yeah, that's great. And something I didn't have a chance to ask you, but I saw it was a topic previously about Flux and Argo potentially merging. It seems that that changed and that Flux is continuing its life on its own. That's right. That's sort of 75% correct. So situation there is that we worked with Intuit and Amazon to come up with a joint roadmap around Argo CD and Flux, in which we would create something called the GitOps engine, which would be something that could be hooked into Flux and also sit underneath Argo CD. But we didn't say that Argo CD and Flux would merge into a single user experience because we felt that the Argo CD application profile was suited to one class of users. And the Flux CD application profile was consistent with another set of users doing you know, very similar things like app deployment, cluster management, but in a slightly different way. We learned from the GitOps engine that although it was good for integrating Argo and Flux generation one, we still needed new features that were fundamental that were missing, which we put into the GitOps toolkit. And so the next step for us is to talk to the GitOps engine team and the Argo team and see if we can come up with the right set of integration points so that the GitOps toolkit can drive Argo CD. 
just as it will drive Flux and other things like Spinnaker and GitLab, GitHub, etc., to give people a GitOps pipeline. So that is still in question, and it's been a slow and frustrating process, only because everybody is really busy. There's nothing more complicated than that. There's just a lot of work to do. And certainly, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to contribute either as an open source contributor or as an employee, please get in touch. We definitely want your help. Great. Great. Thanks for sharing all this. One last question. Recently, there was a conference. It was named GitOps Days. Yes, that's right. Can you maybe share some experiences? Is it happening also next year or potentially another edition later this year? So GitOps Days was a two-day online conference. We had 2,000 people, I think. And all of the content is now online in YouTube videos, SlideShares, and this uh, GitOps community site that we created with the conversation pack on it, which I highly, highly recommend people look at. Again, if you can't find the links, contact me. The plan is to do a GitOps Days Europe. Mm -hmm. So GitOps Days ran from, I think it was... 2 p.m. UK time until 8 p.m. UK time, which you know was not super convenient for folks in Europe, especially folks with families. So we will do another one very soon, which will be on the European time zone. Okay, that's the plan. I can't give you a date yet, but I think it's something that we are working towards. And if you, Darko, want to be involved or know anyone who wants to be involved, this is a good time to follow up on that. We definitely want interesting stories from real world users would be great. And it is about the community. So if you are working on a different GitOps technology, which isn't created that we've worked, that's great. We want to hear from you. It's an open community forum for people to talk about what they're doing. Thank you so much, Alexis. You have shared the number of interesting resources that we'll have to link in the show notes, starting with the DevOps toolkit to all these events. And yeah, thank you again for sharing all this with us and good luck. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure meeting you today.